0: If you look at search at Google, it works with vector If you look at product recommendation and product search at Amazon, works this way. If you look at feed ranking at Facebook, that's how it's specialized. That's how it works. Yeah. You look at how TikTok just said that they're doing recommendation. That's how it works. Like yeah. all the biggest and most successful recommendation engines, search engines, and you know feed ranking solutions and so on, they are all driven that way period.
1: Every engineering team could use an easy win right now, including yours. That's why Linear B collaborated with dozens of engineering teams to crowdsource the real smart ways companies have improved their productivity quickly and easily without wasting more hours at work, spending a lot of money, or burning out already stretched teams. On February 15th, Linear B will be presenting our free Scaling Developer Efficiency Workshop. Designed to help you gain up to 30% increased productivity, this free online workshop will empower your teams with strategies and solutions that let them focus on what they do best. Sign up to the workshop for free at linearb.io efficiency, or head on over to the show notes to sign up today. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, and today we're joined by Edo Liberty, founder and CEO of Pinecone. Ido, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. So you have a really cool background. And I'll list a a few of the things uh, that you've done. So you were the senior research director at Yahoo. Then you were the director of research and head of Amazon AI labs. Both sound pretty interesting. You have, I think, a pretty good background in AI. You founded Pinecone. Which you described as pushing everything I know to the limit and beyond. So that's probably a really fun company for you. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of, you know, the work that you're doing or that has led up to Pinecone and what you're doing at Pinecone and all that. But before we dive into those specifics, let's start a little bit about you and your background. How did you get into? engineering and then move into like AI stuff. What's your story? Uh, I've always been in, uh, like
0: on, uh, in, in the connective tissue in the kind of uh, in-between space between engineering and, and uh, math and algorithms and science and so on. And I always found it super fascinating how we can build better products, accelerate things, just do things more correctly, understand them very deeply with math and write the right algorithms and then pair them up with really efficient software. And for me, that was magic. Like, kind of in the real world, when you do something better, it's usually 10% better, 20% better. If you manage to manufacture some, like, you know, car tires at, you know, half the cost, like you've done something...
1: uh, It's like revolutionary.
0: Revolutionary, exactly. Yeah, it's like... And in in computer science, and I felt like in engineering... We've gotten pretty used to like 10x being. We're, we're pretty cavalier about 10x. Like when you do something correctly after having done it incorrectly, it's like a thousand times better. It's like like yeah. blows everything out of the water. It's completely different. And you know, for me, I guess the uh, the cloud was a was a huge catalyst to all the stuff that I'm excited about because now your compute efficiency is the the manufacturing cost of everything. Yeah. And so suddenly, like if you do something a thousand times better, it's a thousand times cheaper. You know, it's like, it's like making tires cost less, right? Yeah. So it's a fun, it's a fun time to be an engineer.
1: Yeah, I think it's like, uh, since there's so much scale, like you mentioned compute, I mean, look at all. It's crazy what the world is basically running on computers now. So you get a gain, any gain that you get is multiplied a hundred X, a thousand X. It's probably actually probably one of the coolest things about our industry, like compared to what you were saying, like, I don't know, automotive or something physical. It's very difficult to take something physical. I don't know. You have like a airplane. I've been traveling around a ton, So I've been thinking about airplanes. It's like, okay, like if I, if this airplane, it takes three hours to go from here to here. If I could go there in three minutes, okay, that would be like changing the world revolutionary, but it's a so far away in software. I think like, yeah, people, you can make some algorithm changes or new technology impact everyone at scale. And sounds like that's kind of what, where your interest lies. Did you, do you have a formal comp sci background or like, what did you study? I studied, uh, my undergraduate and a double major
0: in physics and computer science, a PhD yeah. in computer science, a postdoc in applied math, I published about 70 academic papers on algorithms and machine learning. And systems. So you're a smart guy. Uh, I don't know about that, but I've definitely <laughs> been uh, very active academically. I actually even uh, was an adjunct professor at Tel Aviv for three years. So right. I'm uh, very much uh, into the uh, weeds on on machine learning and data systems. I mean, this is the kind of uh, stuff that we live and breathe on a daily basis.
1: So eventually, I th- I don't think it was right after school. I think you did some stuff I- in between, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But eventually, you know, you worked at Yahoo and then you were in uh, like, AM, AM, like AWS, I think you you were doing. Yep. What did you learn from those experiences, from from those jobs? A ton, what do you know what I mean? I mean, this is, so uh, people don't know this today. Maybe, uh, maybe the younger audiences
0: uh, are not aware, but Yahoo used to be like a powerhouse back in the day when it came to technology and machine learning, all the Hadoop stuff came out of Yahoo. A lot of the machine learning innovation came out of there. If you to this day look up uh, machine learning papers from, whatever, 10 years ago, like half of the authors are going to be from Yahoo. That was like a kind of powerhouse of, of innovation. And we, we, did, uh, we built a bunch of stuff that today is considered uh, cutting edge. All the recommendation engines and spam blockers and abuse prevention and... Stuff like similarity search that we'll talk about today, and vector search, and we we built a, a bunch of those systems by hand. There was no TensorFlow, there was no PyTorch, there was no like MLOps. We had to build everything from scratch. And so, like many other things in life, when you build it yourself, you get a very deep appreciation of what's hard about it, what's easy about it, what's you know what works and what doesn't work. At AWS, uh, I had the the insane opportunity to actually move there and. Uh, build the whole Amazon uh, AI org that built SageMaker and like built, work with a lot of different data platforms that AWS. Uh, and there I was, for the first time, wasn't building systems for internal consumption and for solving a problem. I was building a systems for engineers to consume as infrastructure. And that's a very different kind of beast. Like then yeah. like operations is different. Documentation is different. You know, you have to think about things like pricing and monitoring and, and, and so on. And this is like, it's a whole different beast. And so getting an appreciation for that was, again, phenomenal. And kind of seeing seeing how that is done from the belly of the beast at AWS was like an unbelievable learning experience.
1: That's awesome. And uh, excited to, to hear about, you know, all of your knowledge. The topic that we have today is around vector data. Let, let's dive in there. Can you give us first like an introductory overview of what is vector data? What are the basics that we need to understand?
0: So to start with, I will say that a lot of your listeners uh, will know what embeddings are and what vector embeddings are. And for those who don't, in general, when we use deep learning or machine learning, in general, to do almost anything, we have to featureize object so a machine learning model is a mathematical object to work with math you need numbers right so the, you don't you know the, the the input and the output of a machine learning model is a vector it's an array of numbers okay it's not a string it's not a json object it's not a row in a schematized uh, sql table uh, a schematized uh, you know a relational table it's an it's an array of numbers. That's what it is. There's not no other thing that goes into or out of a deep learning model, period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or any machine learning model, to be honest. Yeah. And so in many respects, that's how AI understands the world. That's how we label things. That's how we search for things. That's how we recommend things. That's how we do everything with data that that uses AI. Okay. Now. When you work with these things, it doesn't matter again if it's recommendation or search or anomaly detection or similarity search. If you're using AI, that means you now have these kinds of objects and you have to operate on them. You have to search through them. You have to change them. You have to like query over them. You have to store them efficiently. You have to, you know, fetch them efficiently and so on. That's a new kind of infrastructure. That's not a, a relational database. That's not a, you know, a, Document uh, store, it's not uh, whatever, not a keyword search application. It's like it's a new kind of database. Yeah. And so for me, the explosion of this kind of data that came out of like NLP models, you know, people today can now download uh, some, uh, you know, BERT or GPT 3 or some other NLP model and convert a sentence in any language to uh, these arrays, literally with like, you know, a handful of lines in Python suddenly there's an explosion of both need and and understanding of the fact this is how data is actually represented. As a result, there's an explosion in the need for something like MindCon where there's, suddenly people have billions of these objects and like, holy hell, we have to like do something here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like there's more and more of these objects. There's more and more people that are creating businesses, people, whatever it is, machine learning, AI. We're representing data in this way now. What problem did that then create now uh, for the engineering yeah. world and then for the co- consumers? Yeah. So well,
0: I, I would like to think about it more as what you're trying to do with those things, okay, yeah. and how, what what value they bring rather than what problems they cause. Yeah. Because in the end, uh, we we have objectives, like we're trying to build something cool. We're trying to bring value for the business or so the product and you know, we have an end goal in mind. And the question is, how do you do that with vector embeddings and how do you do that with AI? And we can talk about, you know, very wide uh, range of applications from semantic search in in text to anomaly detection in time series data or image search or whatever. But uh, I'll give you as an example, something kind of esoteric just to kind of trigger people's, uh, you know, creativity, right? There's there's a, a small company I forget where they're based, but they built a face detection for cows uh, application to help uh, manage cattle, right? And so they, I don't know exactly how everything works on uh, yeah. there. And so again, we have the infrastructure, but we, you know, we uh, saw that. I'm assuming they somehow cropped the, the, the picture of the, the face of the cow and then yeah. they search. <laughs> You search. Know, so they would take that image, uh, embed it, using sorry uh computer vision models into a numeric representation of that and search it in Pinecone for the most similar other other pictures right and th- those will almost always be the same individual cow like yeah, it's like an id, ID mechanism yeah identified. it's an id mechanism so now yeah. you don't have to like manage it in the same way that, that people used to i guess right i, I can, i'm not i don't grow cattle so I'm not entirely sure why thats there's a cool. lot
1: of it there's actually a ton of startup money going in farming and cattle. Yeah. I'm not surprised uh, tried try the, the modernized model thing yeah
0: but the beautiful thing about this is like a handful of people in in a company that's not you know it's it's obviously a tech company but I'm assuming they don't have like a massive like AI department you know
1: yeah uh, well they probably they don't, don't want to do something yeah.
0: very very advanced By putting very basic, like by putting building blocks together, and that's phenomenal, right? And you would see this with text, we see this with images, with we see this with like a a bunch of other applications as well. It's kind of Mm -hmm. cool.
1: So is it is the uh, the application you gave kind? I guess kind of like a search example. Yeah. Or hey, like I have this photo. Yeah. Whatever it is. In this case, it's a cow's face, which is perfect. And I'm searching. I guess a database, or maybe a more modernized version of a database, and I'm I'm getting a result. So, most of the like when the reason we're talking about uh, vector data, like the the is it mostly around that search or pattern recognition? Correct. It's the the what the database
0: does best is search is retrieve uh, similar items or items that are again, think about the input as, an, as a vector, so think about that as, yeah, as yeah. an array, uh, like in the same way that uh, you can think about distance on, uh, like distance between two points in two dimensions or in three dimensions, you can think about them also in a million dimensions or thousand dimensions. Yeah. Uh, analogously, right? And so the math works exactly the same. You can search for stuff that's within some distance away from some place in space, or you can say everything that correlates the most in some direction in space and so on. It's like a geometric question
1: yeah
0: uh and those are kinds of searches all the things the database does that like is built for so nearest neighbor search mux dot product search you know those terms and if not it's not important the point is that people who build machine learning applications those are the the building blocks that they need right well known well understood by that community and that's what they they need to build those uh solutions
1: yeah no it, it sounds awesome and i'm sure like uh you know the the company that you described there, they don't want to necessarily build all of i mean building this from scratch that's not what the value of their company is, yeah no, trying to do something with like a farm animals like not build like the technology to be able to yeah. do that a hundred percent
0: and it works on both uh small and large scales I mean you see like uh, building something relatively small like like this application right yeah is Actually, not terribly hard. You know, like a handful of engineers can put it together in a few months, right? But if you're a tiny startup, you don't have a handful of engineers yeah. for a few months. You want to cobble yeah. something together in a, in a few weeks, and you want to get out the door, right? Yeah. Uh, and the same thing holds for large companies. You know, when you have huge applications, uh, you know, yes, you may you might be willing to spend a few engineers for a few months, but now your problem is so much bigger that you'll need ten engineers for like three years.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what's coming? There's two different things coming to mind for me. I'll, I'll start with the, yeah, I'll start with the first one. Um, if I'm an engineer, so I'm a developer listening yeah. to this pod, or you know, maybe I'm a head of engineering. Yeah. yeah. When should I be u- utilizing this vector search, or like when is the situation where it should pop into my mind? Oh, yeah. I I heard that from Edo. Let me look into what's available. Maybe it's Pinecone. Yeah. Maybe it's some something else, but. What are the like engineering applications for this where it should pop into my, my mind that vector data or utilizing the search is the is the best or one of the best solutions? Yeah.
0: So first of all, we see a lot of people use it for semantic search. So that is where you want to search pieces of text, uh, but that correlate by what you want back on, not necessarily pieces of text that contain a certain set of words, but rather than the most relevant based on your machine learning model. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so people ask me about, you know, text search. And I keep telling people the text isn't, isn't that thing. There's no such thing as text, right? Yeah. Uh, Emails and, uh, and resumes and legal documents and tweets and, uh, you know, Jira tickets and uh, whatever, they're all text, right? But they are very different objects and they mean different things. And searching through them is different. And your application on top of them is different, right? And so. If you're trying to build a specialized search solution that searches by context and meaning and not by, does it contain this word or that word, right? That's how it's built. Nobody is building advanced search solutions on old, uh, you know, keyword based. Yeah. It doesn't happen anymore, right? You take those documents or those pieces of text, you featurize them with depending models and you search through them. Same thing with images. There, you really don't have any other options. So you do the, the cow detection thing. You know, you, you go to the, you know, the deep learning model, you crop it, you, you, you embed it, and then you use the object search tool the to catalog. Uh, people do labeling, you know, you have large sets of, of uh, examples, you know, you might want to say, hey, you know, I, I want to I find, uh, you know, I, I found something suspicious or some, some, something of interest.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was thinking about mm-hmm. ano- anomalies. Yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, the, the like like anom- th- anomaly th- detection or something like that. A hundred percent. So yeah. this was
0: like find uh, you know a thousand other cases where something similar happened. I want to look at that because this thing is is I don't know. It was curious. I don't know whether it's like you know good or bad. I want well, let me let me search my space more efe- uh, you know efficiently, right? Instead of just you know start to peruse the data and hope that I find something similar to it, right? Yeah. Uh, so people do a lot of security applications. Security, up yeah. So so, have you yeah, seen anything? Oh, in no, that, no, I'm,
1: no. I'm just guessing here. Have you seen anything in the health sector? So I'm thinking of like disease or like, uh, I, I've been seeing some things either because the photo came there. I can take a photo what? of something and then figure out, oh, you might have this disease or this or that Is there so anything people,
0: that uh, Three main things in the medical domain. One of them is really image based, like you said. So all the medical imaging stuff is uh, very much uh, falls in line with the computer vision use cases. People very much look into doctor's notes and and all all of uh, that. So like the medical history notes, uh, I forget the name of the system, but they're like a handful of systems that store and houses data. And and, and from what I understand, it's, it's a mess. Again, I'm not an expert in this field, but I, I hear there's there's a ton of structure and knowledge that is is being just kind of lost in the whatever into the the ether. Uh, and the last one is actually very close to uh, pharma drug discovery. And, yeah,
1: drug you discovery, know, the
0: yeah. chemical side of things. Now you have billions of molecules, and they have binding sites, and you're searching for good matches and searching for potential chemicals to look at or molecules to to. Uh, investigate and so on. So all three are very really active uh, directions that people go in.
1: Yeah. What I, what I really like about uh, about it too, and then we'll get into Pinecone in, in a little bit, but most of the applications, at least that we've talked about so far, are like super cool or like advanced uh, things are like advancing humanity. I, w- I would say leveling up what we're able to do, drug uh-huh. discovery, Security related stuff, even like what you're we saying with like farming, agriculture, all of that. If we took it took it the other way from like a c- more consumer perspective, is there anything that like everyone's you uh, uh, like a bunch of consumers or something that everybody would know? But behind it is vector data search. Is there any like really co- is there or is it only like this super advanced?
0: No, I mean, man, capabilities. This is. This is- if you look at all the, the biggest AI and machine learning driven products yeah. in the world are driven by that. Okay, if you look at search, search at Google, it works with vectors. If you look at product recommendation and product search at Amazon, works this way. If you look at feed ranking at Facebook, that's how it's specialized. That's how it works. Yeah. You look at how TikTok just said that they're doing recommendation. That's how it works. Like yeah. all the biggest and most successful recommendation engines, search engines, uh, and you know feed ranking solutions and so on, they are all driven that way. Period. There's that. It's, there's yeah. like there's no even there aren't even any exceptions. It's so it's like that is yeah, This kind is of, this uh, is th- th- how th- it's done. That's how it's done, right? Yeah. Now most companies can't afford to be. They're not Facebook or Amazon or Google. You know they can't afford to put the the headcount over the many yeah. units that they needed to actually build those solutions in-house. But as as a paradigm, as like how the machine learning works, how the data flows, that's been proven in the
1: biggest possible scale. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're kind of saying like these big companies have the resources to build it in-house, probably yeah. with really large teams. If we go from, uh, you know, a lot of money probably spent to make it happen. Oh, yeah. Why is it so difficult? Like if we use your academic hat, or or, or is it difficult? And and if so, why is this uh, hard to create on your own? It goes back to the beginning
0: of the conversation. It's hard to do right, right? It's hard to get the thousand X, you know, that we talked about, right? Pretty much every company can put together something bad.
1: You know, it's like, we it's can make a so shitty long. version of this. No, exactly. If yeah. you have a tiny lot of data yeah. or you whatever, like you
0: have to run a query once an hour, then forget it. Anything, will just throw anything at the wall. It'll stick out. It'll be fine. Okay?
1: Yeah.
0: The second you try to do anything interesting, like the second you try to go faster, have more items, be highly available, uh, be very accurate and so on, things become complicated. Right. And, uh, you know, you might look at some of the, you know, academic papers that, that I've been publishing on for the last however many years. Right. These are pretty complicated issues. You know, it's like, you know, high dimensional geometry and rounding uh, in different ways and clustering in different ways and quantization and, you know, like the advanced hashing techniques and, and all that stuff. It's like, this is complicated stuff. You know, it's still active research in in, in the world. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, you have to marry the algorithms and the and the, the math with super high performance code. So our entire code base is pure Rust. We dive into like optimizing SSD access, optimizing AVX instruction sets, like squeezing out the bits and the bytes. You know, it's it's really hard to get that entire thing like locked in in a way that you know you you truly you know can just run with it, right? And so. For me, that's exciting. Like for me as a geek, I I love those. That's really cool. I can, you know, I can do those all all day long. For a lot of companies, that's not, that's not the specialty. That's not what they're good at. And that's not what they want to
1: invest in. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, okay, there's a lot of advancement that's been made here. We know building something like this on your own, especially if you're a small company, not going to be like a great use of of resources. But for companies like that you have or the people that are really close to it, what are the, now the existing challenges? Like, what have we been able to do and where are we now stuck? So, it's great
0: that you asked that. So, we are constantly improving. For example, like, we're looking very closely at our, uh, our, our cloud infrastructure on how so we're, we're a cloud native database. So everything's in the cloud. There's no like on prem or there's no like, can't download pine right? It's, it's a mad service. It's not not yeah. like DynamoDB or, you know, Spanner or something, right? Yeah. For us, driving the cloud architecture to be extremely efficient and at the same time, extremely nimble and predictable is a Herculean effort, right? It's, it's, I can't even explain to you the intricacies. I mean, I can, but it's going to, you know, we'll talk for 10 hours on, how complicated it can be and this is you know uh you can ask people to build like snowflake and DataBricks and whatever these other cloud systems why yeah. that's why that's hard but there's you no know, noisy neighbor issues and and uh, predicting uh you know uh even 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 monitoring to be able to like for doing billing is hard i can say it's that difficult right at uh at that's a that's you know kind of cloud level uh Below that, it's a ton of really complex engineering on managing managing disk, managing blob storage, like streamlining all of those, like the hierarchy of of, of caches and hierarchy of storage, making that like super dynamic, super efficient, and so on. The data structures themselves, the algorithms themselves, and how you accelerate search and how do you accelerate the, the queries and so on. All of those are open questions. All of those are, we've already made great strides, but yes. like we believe there's somewhere in 10 and 100x still in the flanks waiting to happen.
1: Yeah. Is it all, is it around like uh, speed and efficiency at scale? Yeah. Is that the
0: correct speed and efficiency and uh,
1: at the same
0: time, uh, accuracy again? So surge yeah. has to do with relevance. Yeah. You know, the, the more relevant you can be, the, the better.
1: Yeah. I so, mean, if it's, a, if it's, if that, that's like quality to me, if that drops too low, then it's not useful. <laughs> if it, oh, right. I know. mean,
0: exactly. You can, you can return the value. Yeah. You can return, the, the exactly. yeah. you can return uh, wrong results very quickly. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, return no. You know, I can do that immediately. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, so yeah, of course you want to, you want to balance those out. You want to push the boundary of how much you can do, but bring, keep a very high bar on the
1: quality of the outcomes. Is there anything happening with open source around this, or is that everything managed service, uh, which is, which is all, also great, but is there anywhere to contribute to an open source project for people?
0: Yeah. So there are open sources that look at fectal Search as a uh, primitive. Uh, there's a project called FBICE, who uh, came out of Facebook, a project called HNSW, written by uh, Yuri Malkov, who was an advisor to Pinecone as well. There are, uh, yeah, there's a handful of open source projects that do well. There are even open source companies who try to build vector databases as as open source. What we find is that people really appreciate the managed service offering. You know, know, if you've ever ran an open source, if you internally ran an open source distributed systems as as, a system as a service in your company. You know that that's a, yeah that's a lot, right? You have a lot lot of effort. But I just cluster and monitor it and run it. And when something happens, you have to go figure it out and so on. So a lot of our best customers came actually after they try to go to production with something else and they had an outage for a week and they had no idea what the hell to
1: do. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the whole managed service play. We've seen that many, many times, right? takes the, you have to have, if you want to do it yourself, you need the whole team.
0: Yeah. And so one of the, and, and by the way, one of the things that we are very much driven by, and again, for me, again, as an engineer and as a scientist is exciting, is like, how simple can we make this? Can we make this like a completely like plug and play thing, just like drop your data and run queries and don't worry about anything, right? How close can we get to that ideal, right? And uh that's hard. There's a lot of automation, a lot of like optimization R and a lot of predictive stuff. We have to really figure out a ton to make that possible. And for me, again, as a consumer, as an engineer myself, that's what I love about systems. Like if I if something always does what I want it in a predictable way and I don't have to tweak with it, I don't have to worry about it. I sleep better at night. I'm like I I, you know, we know this as consumers of like cloud. Like if you put something in S3 or GCS, like you don't worry that it will go away. You you just put it in blob storage. It's done. It's there.
1: <laughs> like
0: you're not losing clip over it because you've gotten used to the fact that this is a, a very, very stable, you know, and, and, and predictable solution. That is where we're aiming. Like we want this to be a foundational layer that people just like don't have to worry about anything. It's like, oh, it's great. God, uh, my my vectors are in pine cone. I can ru- whatever. Like I'm done. This is good. Now I can use them. Now I can do everything with them yeah i don't have to worry about any of it anymore
1: yeah and i assume with with pinecone traditional model i can start small for free something like that i can try it out and grow from there on, on usage or right. 100%, yeah 100 it's it's 100
0: yeah. usage there's a there's a perpetual free tier so it's not a trial it's an actual free tier forever
1: yeah we that's awesome. It,
0: uh you know standard uh which is Paid and then like enterprise and the whole they, it's like uh, the usual yeah plan. the
1: usual model, but it's a, it's good to good to be able to start free without maybe disclosing too much of like all, all the secrets uh-huh. uh, with, with pinecone and you and you can talk generally about the industry, but what what's next? So it's like okay, I know I can I have a managed service, I can get my stuff done with pinecone takes a lot of the the weight off of me, but what's coming now? In the next few years, where do you think the the industry is going? What's interesting to you all at your company? I'm a little bit of a, a purist when it comes to like tooling and
0: and uh, in this industry. And you know, I, I, a lot of people talk about some unifying uh, frameworks and all sorts of like uh, magic bullets and so on. I personally don't believe in that. Okay. Uh, time will see if I'm right or wrong. But what I think will happen in the next three to 10 years okay, is that uh, the set of building blocks on top of which great machine learning up and AI applications are built are just going to solidify and, and crystallize and the interfaces are going to become a lot more well-defined. You know, if like 10 years ago, it was just a zoo of libraries and shit, nobody knew anything. Today, it's like very well understood. You have models, uh, you have training frameworks, you have uh, MLOps layers that run the models in production. You have monitoring tools. You have, you know, they have those interfaces are trying to be starting to be very well defined. Same thing in spectral databases, feature stores. You know, there's going to, there are going to be, I don't know, like 10, 15 different kinds of infrastructure in each one of those. You're going to have three, whatever one, two, five to ten players with great solutions. And every big machine learning application, doesn't matter if it's a search engine or, the uh, you know, cow face detection or if it's, a you know, feed ranking algorithm, right? All of those are going to use a combination of the building blocks, right? And they're going to put them together in the same way that, you know, in the same way that other fields have matured from, you know, microservices architectures to security and so on. They have a very well defined set of tools. The same thing is going to be going to happen here. And I think the truest, the true acceleration in, in development and in the, in the market is going to happen when this new generation of machine learning engineers really kind of, kind of absorbs the like the different components and know exactly how to combine them. And they started like build stuff in a much, much, much higher pace. By the way, machine learning engineers, based on, I think uh, it's, it's a survey that was done by LinkedIn uh, a few months ago, was the fourth fastest growing job in the U.S. Yeah. And not in tech, like in general, the number Just one is like vaccine specialist. Okay. This, this is, is like, a, like overall, right? So there's like a yeah, new generation. I believe of it. down the bike.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're into that, that stuff, probably like really good career path right now for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know. It's one of those things that, for the next, I don't know, fifty, a hundred years, we're gonna be be doing this stuff and studying it, and you know, everything's gonna utilize it basically. Yeah, one hundred percent. I
0: don't think I don't think you can be a successful company without having okay. that in your arsenal.
1: Now, it's not necessarily has to be the most futuristic. But before we wrap up, I did want to touch on one point. You recently announced that it's now possible to conduct searches combining both semantic and keyword searches. You're calling it hybrid search. Just a little bit bit on that. You know why is it important? You know what what's the significance of it? Yeah,
0: we started by saying you know, a lot of people are using this for text. You know, or using keywords like semantic search for stuff that looked like text, right? And everybody knew that a keyword search was kind of uh, a random course and that's it. It's like we've asymptoted on the best thing we can do there and and semantic search and vector search was uh, challenging that and now performing it. What we found was that uh, on some, in some cases, it actually like knowing a specific term or knowing a specific name or something can boost the semantic search, can actually like, like if you if you make the semantic search keyword aware, then you you actually get some extra oom, right? And that a lot of customers who are used to searching by keywords, who are used to having that power, didn't want to completely give it up. And so we said, hey, you know, we could do the quote unquote dumb thing and just uh, you know have keyword search and vector search side by side and somehow. Kind of put some spit and gum and make them play nice with each other, right? Yeah, but it's not how we roll, right? We said, okay, if we, let's go back to the kind of thing in in uh, foundational ways of why why is this important? How is this important? How we should really build this? And we found some uh, two things that are I think are very interesting. One of them is that if you truly combine the two scoring mechanisms, so you like you make really semantic search and you make it keyword aware in the same engine, right? Or in the same scoring mechanism, you can get better results, period. This is better than keywords alone or semantic search alone. Okay?
1: That's very cool.
0: So that is, that is significant. Right? This is what like we said about in, in the end, people care about accuracy. The second thing we figured out was that algorithmically and data structure wise and like at the core engine, we can actually do both those together. We can actually fun- fundamentally get the right thing working without having, you know, the the two systems and combining them and like doing some kind of black magic. This is properly working inside the core engine. And so for us, that's a big win for all of our customers that use Pinecone for text on, uh, you know, in all its, uh, you know, variety. Uh, that's a huge win because now they can go and, and figure out even better ways to, to get results.
1: Yeah, uh, that's awesome. To- totally makes sense to me. You know, as we're, we're wrapping up here, I think there's like a, a few really good takeaways. I mean, for, first off with Pinecone, if you're looking for a vector database, managed service, you know, you can start for free. We, t- we talked about that. Good good thing to go. If you're looking for a career, right? Or something something to study, machine learning, that type of stuff, you know, you're a newer developer or want to make a switch, definitely some, something to look into because you can see the in- industry trending in this way edo is there anything that we didn't cover or something that you want to say about about the industry for the you know engineers listening
0: no i think he, i think you nailed it i think it's uh look i mean I, I'll, I'll maybe say it again in a slightly different way i do what i do because i love it okay because i'm pushing myself to the edge that you know and we i'm we are constantly grappling with like the boundaries of like physics and math and computer science and how computers foundation fundamentally work, right? And if you're an engineer that, that you know, if that's exciting to you, if like a systems engineer or a high-performance computing person or a, uh, you know, machine learning expert, and you like grappling with really hard problems, then Icon is a great place to, to come to do that. Uh, and in general, I mean, this field of with these companies who operated at, at the edge of machine learning and data and, and systems for the next generation are going to be places that are going to grow and improve and, and do really innovative stuff in the years to come. And that's a great career choice.
1: Awesome. Well, Ido, thanks for coming on the pod today, getting us caught up on vector databases. It's been a really I think, interesting and educational conversation. Thank you so much. My Pleasure, pleasure, man. All right, and also thanks everyone for joining us today. A quick reminder for our listeners, if you haven't already rated and reviewed the show on your pod app of choice, particularly Apple Podcasts, please do so. Reviews are a crucial way that our show gets discovered. And one last time, Ido, thanks so much for coming on today and uh, educating us all on Dev Interrupted.
0: A pleasure, man.